Welcome to the Eyes West, the podcast for movers looking for a new place to live in the American West and the best connections to get it done. Here's your host, Dick Crawford. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Eyes West. This is Dick Crawford, and today's introduction was from today's guest, Danelle Geibel from Sierra Pacific Mortgage. She and I have trained in the same network for many years, and we subscribe to the same way of serving our customers. That's why I trust her and invited her to talk with us about lending, a very important topic right now. Today's episode is a wonderful opportunity to get to know her and the way that she operates as a lender. You really must be comfortable with your lender. You've got to be attached at the hip. And this is a perfect opportunity to hear from a real pro. So, Danelle, thank you for being on the program. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I look forward to spending the next 30 minutes or so with you. Excellent. It's good to have you with us. Let's uh, start with your work. Let's just jump right in there with your work. Where are you in your lending career today? I have been in the mortgage origination business for about 23 years, so I'd say I'm I'm right smack dab in the middle of it. Um, I actually started in the mortgage industry back in the late 80s, but in the servicing side. And even though I've been doing this for a really long time, I get really excited um, every time I get to form a new relationship with a client. Um, I'm truly thankful the industry found me, and uh, I get the op- opportunity to be a small part of my client's uh, story each time. Your personal license is for the state of Washington and I believe Idaho. Can, is that correct? correct? And can you help elsewhere? Yes. Actually, um, I, I, as you said, am licensed in those two states. However, Sierra is licensed in 47 of the 50 states. And um, we have actually a dedicated team that manages our interbranch referrals. And this allows us to maintain a a very personal approach to all our clients, regardless of where they live or where they're moving to. So it's an in-house handling of of out-of-state referrals or out-of-area referrals? Absolutely, absolutely. I have about uh, five or six other loan officers, originators that I work exclusively with that handle anything that I personally cannot do due to licensing restrictions. How is it that you work in the lending business? What's your approach to it? I work entirely by referrals. Um, These referrals come from my clients, business partners such as realtors, attorneys, business owners, and so on. Um, there's a certain level of trust built in when you're referred by someone. I say it's kind of like starting out on a second or third date. Um, If you think about it, when someone comes to me for financing, they have to get what I call financially naked, and that isn't always an easy thing to do. So I think I have a dream job. I get to work with numbers and provide solutions, help people with a large uh, financial decision. And I also get to have those great personal collections long after the financing is done. To give you an idea, I have uh, some great clients that I first helped with their mortgage financing many, many years ago. And since then, um, not only have I helped them finance a couple new purchases, I have now had the opportunity to help all of their children get into their first home. So these relationships will far outlast my career. So yeah. you basically, you have a nationwide reach with Sierra Pacific. Tell me again, how, how would a referral play out, uh, you know, briefly, if somebody calls you from, from Kansas, you know, past client, or an uh, agent calls you from Kansas and says there's somebody coming in, uh, how, how does that work internally? 
internally, it really doesn't change a whole lot as, as opposed to someone who's here locally um, in the Pacific Northwest. We, referrals are an important part of my business. And, and so the relationships that I have built either through my clients that live here that are, are moving or vice versa, uh, a real estate agent or another person who lives in Kansas and contacts me, it's, it's a simple process of the introduction is made. Um, I usually like that person to make the introduction first, just again, that level of trust. And then we start with a, a phone conversation or a video conversation, whatever they're comfortable with, and we start the process there. Um, technology has allowed us to do um, most things through the computer or through people's phones. So it's, it's a pretty seamless process. Hmm. Yeah, it's amazing how that has changed. It's everything's like it has. You're ta talking to somebody next door or just across town. It's no different. Exactly, it is. It's it's great because the referral process goes both ways. It allows it allows someone to come to me and say, "I have a need, and I'd like for you to fill it," and vice versa. If I have someone who's relocating to you know California, I I can easily put them in hands that I someone I trust, and therefore. That trust is built in for my clients. Well, let's uh, let's delve into your experience here. How has lending changed since you started uh, 23 years ago? Wow, that's just a, a little that's bit. That's a huh? wide range. Yes, yeah. I say it's gone the full range of the pendulum. When I first started, <laughs> yeah, full range. So when I first started, um, it was old school, as I called it. We asked everyone to bring in everything but their kitchen sinks. It was met entirely in person, pen to paper. It was a very manual process, and it took quite a bit of time. But the approval process was fair and very well thought out. So from that standpoint, great. Then in the late 90s, early 20s, technology started to speed up the process. Lenders loosened their guidelines to make it a little easier for people to finance their home. And this provided a lot more opportunities for home ownership. Unfortunately, a lot of these programs put people into loans that they couldn't afford down the road. So when we had the housing crash in 2008, again, we swung the pendulum to the entire other side. Guidelines became very strict. It became harder to qualify for a mortgage. Now I think we're back to center. Uh, I think we have specific rules and regulation in place that ensure that the consumer's ability to repay the mortgage is there, but the process has become very streamlined with all the advanced technology that we have in place. So the majority of our forms, disclosures, they're all signed digitally. We're able to verify employment electronically, often in just minutes, the same with assets. And due to advanced tracking, um, data tracking, many appraisals are done actually just through a computer. So a, a real estate agent, or excuse me, an appraiser will do it on their desktop versus actually going out and seeing the property and some appraisals are waived. Due diligence is being done, don't get me wrong, on every file. It's just a quicker process allowing it to be a little bit simpler for the client. Concerning that speed of the process, it's almost to the point, or it, it could get to the point, where the, the loan process, which is always the longest process in, in the purchase mm -hmm. process, the loan process could become so quick that the sellers are gonna say, wait a second, I can't move out of my house that fast. So to the point where escrows are going to have to be 
you know, at least two weeks or three weeks long uh, because the seller can't physically leave their house any quicker than that. Yes, I, I agree. I mean, there there are several times in the last six months that I, I am completely clear to close in 10 to 14 days, and we we just need to sit around and wait for the seller at that point in time because they're they're not ready. You know, it's, it's not a, a not a bad thing. It allows for a lot less stress, in my opinion, because everyone can just have a nice cup of coffee and relax and knowing we aren't scrambling at the last minute to get this done. Well, what part of lending has stayed the same all that time? There's very little that I think has stayed the same as far as, from a lending standpoint as far as um, what, we, what we do. We got a little lost, as I said, in the late 90s and early, early 2000s as far as doing um, a good job in ensuring that the consumer is taking on a debt that they can continue to manage um, moving forward. From a personal standpoint of what I do, what has stayed the same for me is just relationships. It all boils down to helping someone achieve that goal of buying their first home or maybe building their retirement to investment properties or the hope of owning that second home on the water one day. It's, um, that part is still the same from now until when I first started. Has technology enhanced that part of it, or yeah. do you think it maybe threatens that part of it? Actually, I don't think it has. I don't think it does right now. There are so many regulations that have been put in place that we as lenders have to follow throughout the whole transaction. And to some degree, you know, we, we do have clients from time to time that will be like, okay, why do you keep asking me this and, and verifying this again over and over? And it's just, again, to ensure that we are doing right by our clients. Technology just allows that process to go quicker and smoother versus everything being manual through a fax machine, waiting for a response, getting it in. I can verify someone's employment five times throughout a transaction, and each time it takes me, you know, the click of a button to do it electronically. Okay. What trends are you seeing among borrowers? Right now, really what I'm starting to see is uh, adjustable rate mortgages, I think, are going to play a little bit a bigger role in, in where we are right now. With rates going higher, the variance between a fixed rate and adjustable rate is gaining, and so it allows for um, a little bit lower payment. So on adjustable rate mortgage, you can lock that in for five, seven, ten years, and it allows a little bit of um, a little bit of a more comfortable payment to, to chew on those first few years versus the, the higher rate. The other thing I'm seeing is um, assets, and um, assets just really, really help it. So we're finding more and more clients getting gifts, their parents or grandparents, to bolster that down payment and maybe strengthen their offer a little bit going into, especially when you're in a multiple offer situation. You're doing everything you can to, to get your offer moved up to the top. Yeah, there's a lot of competition uh, out there in the field. Uh, it's it's changing a little bit here, as we'll get into, but a lot of competition mm -hmm. out there. So um, oftentimes it comes down to the to the down payment and uh, the strength that they show in their assets, and it's um, yeah. a different different world in that respect. It is. It is. Right now, we're we're buyers. I think are facing just some challenges with higher rates shortage of inventory and higher price tags, and they're, they're just struggling a little bit with this. And what I'm finding is trying to get 
my clients comfortable with the way things are now and not the way they were. The last 10 years, rates have averaged around 3.75, and we all got really comfortable with that. However, the average over the last 50 years is just under 8% at 7.97%. So we're still 2% low below the average. It's just getting people comfortable with where we are and not where we've been. There's still a tremendous amount of value in owning real estate. That's really good. That's a very good element that you provide. That's a little perspective uh, that you can provide uh, through certainly through knowledge, but through personal experience uh, in terms of where mm -hmm. the rates have been. That's that's a very good point. Puts people at ease, or your attempt, mm -hmm. of course, your intent is to put them at ease to say, okay, it's not the end of the world. Uh, we can we can do this. Exactly. That's a big contribution to the conversation. Well, people are moving in and out of. Washington, and they're certainly moving within the state, but they're moving in and out of Washington, mm -hmm. in and out of the Northwest. Where are people coming from to live in Washington? Where are they coming from out of state? For me, locally here in, in Spokane and in, in northern Idaho, Coeur d'Alene area, we're seeing a lot of people relocate here from bigger cities such as Portland, even the west side over in Seattle, and a lot from California. Uh, home prices here are still much more affordable, and, and we're a mid-sized community with a, a vast amount of lakes and mountains. We provide entertainment all four seasons, and people are finding that very attractive. Even though a customer may be living out of the area, I can provide that same level of service to them due to our, our streamlined process, as we talked a little bit about before. Advanced technology has allowed us to help anyone from anywhere. I'll, I'll give you a really quick example. In the height of the pandemic in the fall of 2020, I helped this amazing young couple buy their first investment property here in Spokane, and they lived in Tanzania. And it was just a, a great process. It took just a little bit longer because of them being in Tanzania. But, again, we, we got it done, and, and they weren't even in the state. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Yes, Probably a big a big challenge in that process was just the time zone uh, difference. <laughs> yes, it was like twelve hours, so it was either up late or up early in the morning to have those conversations. But again, with technology, uh, you know, most of it's done digitally, and, and it was just the, the actual signing of the final loan documents that took a little bit of maneuvering as to how they were going to get that done over there. But it was a great process, and. We allow them to have this investment property why why they are doing some some great great work in Tanzania. That's very interesting. That's an extreme example. I was going to ask you about yeah. uh, making you know people making long distance moves and they've got different needs than than somebody who's buying mm -hmm. and selling in the same town. Um, anything else that mm -hmm. you can do to help people prepare as they move into the area or look to purchase outside the area? And if they're moving into the area, you know, I, I can I can help them with just providing any information I can about our our community here. I, I have this another great couple that that moved um, from Portland, and it was just helping them get set up with the the area that they moved into here in Spokane. It's called our South Hill area, and it was simple things as to do you know where a local dentist might be or where I can get. Uh, hair services done, they had a pet, what's the local, the, the closest uh, pet salon, as they called it, that I could assist them with. And it was just giving them as much information as I can about this area that they're moving into to make their move as easy as possible. 
personal touch. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. That's uh, encouraging for someone to be going through such a numbers-driven process and be able to ask you, you know, where's the nearest pet salon or what's the best one? Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. You want it to. You want them to feel like home before they get here, more or less. And and this is a great way of helping them. Well said. Make them feel like they're at home before they get here. Let's talk about what's next. There's two burning questions we've got to talk about. Uh, first one is, where do you think loan rates are headed in the next couple of years? What is going on? Uh, you're going to be my short answer on that one. I, I, just, okay. I, do not, I do not see a significant decline at all in rates. And, it, and if we do, if we see this sharp decline, uh, the reason for that decline might be a little harder for us to swallow than than the higher rates we're seeing right now. Uh, let me, I'll, I'll try to elaborate on this a little bit. In general, a growing economy leads to higher mortgage rates, while a slowing economy leads to lower rates. And in 2019, uh, very, very started to 2020, things were great, stocks were up, economy was good, and mortgage rates were on the rise, and we were above 4%. So the pandemic struck, and the outlook changed. The, the feds um, started purchasing billions of dollars of assets, including treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities to help lower interest rates and boost our economy to keep things moving, which is great. It did that. Unfortunately, what it also did is ramped up inflation, and that's where we sit right now. And inflation is the number one arch enemy of rates. And if you've watched any of the news or read any, any headlines, we know where inflation is, and rates are following suit. So, so again, to do a little perspective, let me give you a, what I think is a very sobering statistic. And back in 1981, inflation was 8.9%, so just slightly above where we are right now. Mortgage rates averaged that year 16.63%. So even though we're pushing over six here, it's a really good deal compared to where we could be based on where things sit right now in our economy. I just think this pain feels a lot sharper right now with these higher rates because it came on the heel with higher home prices over the last 18 months. So the combination, I think, has just been a little tough for people to swallow. But in, in whole, um, rates are still really, really good. If you can borrow for 30 years at 6%, it's still a good deal. 16%. I remember when I bought my first home uh, in the mid-80s, I remember thinking, boy, mm -hmm. if rates mm -hmm. can get down below 10, I'm all over it. <laughs> you know? and, and boy, they got there and uh -huh. I just jumped. So yes, 6% is a whole heck of a lot less than 16%. Um, oh, yes. So yes. hopefully we don't get up there. But yes, that's good perspective. Yes. Six is not bad. Yes, and I don't think we will. I think there's going to be a cap on this, but I, I do think the trajectory is, is heading up, and that's just where we're going to, to land for quite a while. But again, perspective. I can remember refinancing one of our homes that we purchased, and we got it to 7.875, and I was like, oh, my gosh, we hit the gold mine. This is awesome. We're below 8%. So. I tell you, it's all relative. It truly is. Mm -hmm. Well, home mm -hmm. values have increased, and you mentioned that. They've increased mm -hmm. so quickly. Um, what's your perspective when people say, are we going to see a housing crisis like 2008? Is it going to, is the bubble going to burst? What's your thoughts on that? 
again, my short answer is no. And the main reason is two things. One we talked about, tighter lending regulation and liquidity. And by that, what I mean is people have a lot of, excuse me, the equity that they have in there is not brought on just by inflated values going up. People have been purchasing homes with tremendous amount of down payments, all cash. So the equity they have in there has been built by their hands, not just by the values increasing. Back in 08, when we had a crash, people were using their homes like ATM machines. They were pulling equity out right and left. You know, you could borrow 125% of what the value is, and a lot were on adjustable rate mortgages. So then what ends up happening is those adjusted, they can no longer afford their home. We had a mass exodus of people needing to get out of their mortgages and values plummeted. Now it, our situation is much stronger with, with all the liquidity that is, uh, is in the market. So I, I don't think we are in any way, shape, or form headed for anything similar to that. Maybe a little bit of the trajectory not going so high, not increasing values as much as we've seen, but I still think we're we're in really good shape. Thank you for that explanation. That was that was concise and um, understandable. It's a very difficult subject to try to relate to people, and that was very well said. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. In the environment we're in, what are the important variables when considering a loan, and what should people be thinking in advance? Saying, okay, we've got to get a loan. What, what kinds of things are they going to be up against? Okay, so I always try to ask one of the first things is, how long do you think you're going to be in this home? Because I think that plays a really big part as to how you finance it. If you're, this is my forever home, I'm never moving, then we're looking way down the road where if you're thinking, yeah, five, seven years, not sure, and again, it kind of goes back to what we talked about before was people are right now with COVID and new rules that have been put in place with so many industries, is they're allowed to work remotely. So they have the ability to move to wherever they want versus where their business office is located. So a lot of clients are relocating out of these big cities into an environment that's better suited for their family or personal lifestyle, but they still get to keep that same employment. So that can go one of two ways. It can allow for people to say, I'm going to try Spokane. I think it's great. I love everything about it, and we want to move here. But we don't know if we're going to stay too long because there's other areas that we also can go explore, so we may only be here five, six, seven years. And that goes back, again, to possibly an adjustable rate mortgage where you're looking at it saying if it's a short-term situation, then let's do a a five or a seven or a ten-year lock make that payment a little more affordable during this time period. And at that point in time, if you choose to leave, you're leaving, you took advantage of a little bit lower rate, and off you go. But if you're not, then again, we're going to look at something a little more permanent, a little more concrete, a little more stable for you, because this is, this is your forever home that you don't plan on moving to. Very good. You've got mm-hmm. to understand what your plans are and how that might affect yeah. your, your choice for, for a loan. What's your take on, because prices are so high and rates are high and people want to keep their payments low and such, what's your take on 40-year loans? What's the deal there? It is a a means to an end. It does allow you to spread that payment out a little longer, make it more affordable. 
a lot of interest to pay over 40 years, so when you calculate it out. But for those people, again, that are buying maybe their second home where they, this is where we're raising our family, this is where we want to be, but due to increased prices both on the interest rate side and value side, we need to stretch that out similar to what car loans used to be. It used to be three years, and then you could go five, and now you can go seven, and I heard you can even go longer. It's allowing people to afford what they need to afford in the current environment we sit in. So I think it has a place. I'm not a huge fan of it personally, but if it allows you to get into a home that you can afford over that 40-year period, who's to say it's not a bad idea? So she's not just a lender, folks. She's a diplomat as well. <laughs> that was, that was, well, no, exactly. That's the point is, uh, yeah, you, everybody's got different needs, and it's important to have somebody like mm-hmm. yourself who's, who is open to the, to the different needs and, okay, how can we solve this, and, and what are the uh, pros and cons of solving it in this manner. So good for you. It's better than renting. Let's put it that way you are way better to do this because you're still building equity at a slower pace, but you're still building it. You're, you're building it through your payment and through the natural uh, value of your house going up every year. Very good. A 40-year loan is better than renting, and that's, yeah. that's a fact, and that's mm-hmm. a good way to look at it because, it, again, mm-hmm. everybody's got different needs. Well, okay. we talked about so much today. Is there anything we left out, anything you want to add, any words to the wise? Buying a home is still one of the best investments you can make for yourself and your family. I I firmly believe this. I bought my very first house when I was 19 as a single person, and I think it is just you need to do it. um, I think the demand we're seeing right now best depicts the desire and value of owning a home. So many people are wanting to buy a house, and there's a reason for it. So I, uh, I still think it's a great deal. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Danelle. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, our time today was it was all my pleasure. You keep doing your great work and have a productive rest of the month. Thank you again. You too. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Danelle Geibel of Sierra Mortgage, an experienced and professional lender ready to help you in the Pacific Northwest and 47 states across the country. If you would like a formal introduction, please feel free to contact me or your local agent and we will be happy to hook you up and, of course, Danelle will be happy to consult with you. To better understand the real value of using realtors and lenders known to me and my colleagues, listen to the first episode of Eyes West. It's called the Eyes West Resource. I make a few points in that talk and the most important one is the value of relationships when buying or selling your home. And in this case, you can see why a lender relationship is so very important. Whenever searching for Eyes West, be sure to enter it as one word. Our Facebook page is called the Eyes West Podcast. You can find all the episodes there and at your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about me, you can Google me as Dick Crawford Realtor. I'm always available for your real estate needs here in North Orange County, California, and I have trustworthy colleagues throughout California who can help in areas outside my expertise. That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, be good, be well, and be safe.